This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Don't forget, top of the hour, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. A lot of all-star talk, a lot of all-star memories as well. Menardo Ocal just sitting down recently with uh, John Scott, who delivered one of the more memorable performances. And yeah, maybe Greg and I had a little bit uh, to do with him getting elected in the first place. Uh, We'll go over that story and how I was under the impression, I remember making that drive home from CBC, calling my wife saying, I think I just got fired. I'll tell you that story in a couple of seconds. Meanwhile, uh, he's Mark Savard. He's the head coach of the Windsor Spitfires, and he is now shepherding the career of one Shane Wright. He joins me uh, on the program now. Mark, how are you today? Thanks so much for doing this. Not bad, buddy. Uh, long time no talk, but uh, excited here in Windsor, that's for sure. <laughs> I was going to say, like, uh, you know, when you when you get a player like this, like, you know, first of all, like a team like Kamloops, like they're hosting the Memorial Cup, so they've been, you know, junior hockey, and that's a great junior hockey market to begin with, but then Olin Zellweger shows up, and it's a shot in the arm. Seattle Thunderbirds are adding uh, a million different players, and they may get Dylan Gunther, et cetera. What is getting Shane Wright, you know, meant to – we'll get to the team in a second. We'll get to you, but what is it meant to, you know, Windsor itself, having Shane Wright there? Well, you know, there's winners here, and, and the Windsor Spitfires have been an organization that has done that. And um, I, I think with the fan base we have, it's it, they're always an exciting fan base. They're, they're really emotional about the hockey club, but this just adds another element, obviously. Uh, Bill Bowler, our general manager, and Frank Abola, his assistant, uh, I guess head scout, you know, really, they, they mentioned it early in the year, and I knew that there was a little bit of a chance of, of, of acquiring this player, Shane Wright, that being. And uh, I could tell they, they kept digging in, and we already made four uh, additions to our hockey club before adding Shane. But, again, it's uh, when you add an elite player like this, and we had one last year with Wyatt Johnson, uh, it's very exciting, yep. and, and, and for the players. So uh, everybody's excited here, and, uh, you know, we get, to, we get to try them out tonight. So it's going to be very exciting for my coaching staff as well. No, uh, that's outstanding. Um, I, I know the temptation is going to be like every second shift get uh, get Shane right out there. But you know, as as you go through the remainder of the schedule here, have you had the talk about you know the situations you want him in, how much you want to play him, the uh, you know power play, penalty kill, five on five? Have you gone over sort of everything as as far as expectations go for for how you want to use Shane right with the player himself? Yeah, I, I just compare it a lot to Wyatt Johnson, and 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 I think uh, if we can help Shane, uh, you know, play play in the in the situations that Wyatt did, and, and obviously we know how Wyatt's had a great year this year in the NHL. Uh, I think that's a little bit where the excitement is for Shane. I I just really want him, as you know. I'm an offensive guy. I'm an offensive coach. Um, uh, Over the red line on offense, you know, do your thing. Have some fun. But if you make a a mistake, you know, just be responsible defensively. Let's get back. But I want Shane Wright to be Shane Wright again. I want him to have fun. We have fun here in Windsor coming to the rink every day. I know the kids love it if you ask them. So I just want to have fun here and and work with them. And I think I can help him in situations and and power play situations where, you know, I think he's going to see a a majority of his ice time. Uh, We are going to use him on the pen kill as well and I, I often joke and, and say that I think you know Wyatt played around 25 minutes a night for us but on most nights there was really 29 but uh, he's going to get a lot of ice time and, and we're going <laughs> to use him but but we are very deep here we are very deep uh, Bill's, Bill and Frank have done that for us here made our team deep and so he's going to play in situations and, and we're going to use as much as we can but first and foremost I want Shane to have fun again and, and just put up points like a lot of us have in our day, Jeff. So it's going to be a lot of fun watching them. 
You know, I, I want to get back to Shane right here in a second, but just as a, as a brief detour here, because I used to watch you a ton in Oshawa. I would go every Sunday to Oshawa to watch you play, um, and I'll, I'll throw some names out at you. I mean, Nathan Parrott was on that team. Jeff Ware was on that team. Uh, a guy by the name of Jan Snowpack, who I thought looked real good every time I saw him in junior with you guys, uh, was on that team as well. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the ice time for Wyatt Johnson, listed as 25, but really 29. It seemed as if, you know, every second shift for Oshawa, you were out there, Mark. Do you have any idea how much you played on a game-to-game basis in Oshawa? Yeah, I, I think you're bang on. I, it felt like every other shift, you know, especially my last year under Bill Stewart. Uh, I don't think I, I think there was times I had to say, "Okay, Bill, I can't, I can't go on." Like I, and uh, as a player, that's <laughs> that's almost embarrassing to tell your coach, like, "No, I can't go, man." Like I, I'm just, I'm done right now. So, uh, but I can remember those moments. And yeah, I, he had me first line. He had me on the fourth line. He had at the, at the same time, and then he had me on the first two, like the whole two minutes on the power play for sure. And then some cleanup oh, work on the penalty kill. Oh yeah, so it was it was a lot of fun uh, playing those minutes. But that's what you want. You want to play and just go play and and really enjoy the game. And and I'm not saying saying Shane will play that many minutes like uh, right now because we do have a deep roster. But he's definitely going to be out there a lot yeah. more than he's sitting beside me on the bench. That's for sure. Okay, one one final Mark Savard skill question: Have you ever made a pass along the ice, or have all of them been sauce passes? Because I swear, man, I don't think I've ever seen anyone in the history of the game throw more. It doesn't matter like how far or how short sauce passes than you, and you like nailed them every time too, which is freaky. Well, this is a great story because you bring that up. I'll, I'll talk about it. We were we were at my I think it was the second All Star game in, in Montreal and. Uh, St. Louis was playing with me. And I played with St. Louis back in Calgary. Uh, we grew up kind of yep. there starting out. And uh, we got to the All-Star game. And even in practice, like we had morning skate. And everything, everything's a saucer pass. It's, it's just, I don't know, I loved it. And it's something I did every time. So he actually <laughs> came to me and said, Savvy, like, why the saucer pass every time? Like, uh, the guy's two feet away and you're still saucing. And I just said, I don't know. I just, I enjoy saucing. I like getting in that <laughs> heel and putting a little little sauce on it. And uh, so uh, that's how it kind of broke out. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I enjoy doing. And it, it's such a nice pass, isn't it? That's great. It's awesome. And it's a really smart pass, too. And, you know, I've mentioned this a number of times with you. Jason York and I talked about this a few years ago, that the the, the, the one skill... The one skill that you had that I've never seen rivaled, like we've seen people that can that can pass, and like when you were in the NHL, it was always okay. Who's a better passer, Savard or Thornton? But there's one thing that you did better than anybody, and no one I've ever seen do it better, and that is take a hard rim on the backhand on the boards, spin and fire it to the slot, like perfect pass. And of course, it's Savard, so it's with sauce. Where did that skill come from? Like taking hard rims on your back, and you would spin like effortlessly, Savvy. Yeah, you know, uh, Jeff, I, I and I and I wish this was still a fact that you know when I played street hockey or with a ball in the basement and hammering around and picking it up off the wall and doing things like that, I, I really developed good skill from playing street hockey. I know it sounds crazy, but I was out there all night mm-hmm. and and just playing with with the bouncier the ball, the better. And it, it was you know working on picking it up, however, and spinning and firing it and doing all kinds of things, playing, making games up by yourself. It, it, it really uh, progressed me, in, I, I think, in the skill department. Not so much now. It's more of, a, uh, I guess, a fingertip game on the joystick for most of these kids, right? So <laughs> they don't, uh, <laughs> uh, like, 
honestly, when's the last time you drove your car and you broke up a street hockey game? Like it, it never happens anymore. Like it's, I wish. It, yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I know. It, it's it's this the the odds Sunday you're dri- you're driving through maybe looking for a parking spot and you're like oh I can't park there even though half the lot's open because kids are playing ball hockey. But you're right. It's funny too because a lot of the ball hockey now has gone indoors. Right. And specifically, and it's because like everything is such a controlled environment, like the idea of just going out and playing. Like now it's like, if you're going to play ball hockey, oh, I'm going to join a ball hockey league. No, just go play ball hockey. Just go get some yeah. buddies, get an orange ball, get a couple of crappy nets and just go play. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I remember it so much doing it all the time. And, and it was funny because where I lived growing up too, we lived in these cul-de-sacs. We actually made teams in our cul-de-sacs to play against the other cul-de-sac. And it was unbelievable. So we, we really play street hockey every day. And uh, it, it's a, it's a art that I think a lot of kids miss now. And it helps so much that, that ball, controlling a ball rather than a puck. Cause it's just, it's tougher to control. Let's be honest on, on, uh, on the pavement. Yeah. So uh, I wish they played more. I know, I, I know I pushed my son out the door who, who actually I'm really excited about. He's getting a good opportunity in Barry here. I think they have a great team he as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, he, he really uh, he really does. That's a that's a that's a great program with uh, with Marty Williamson. Uh, okay, back to Shane Wright. So what are the types of things that you want to help him develop? Like, I don't know that I'll ever see Shane Wright throw a sauce pass and not say, oh, that's because he was coached by Mark Savard. But what do you want him to learn? Like, what, what's what's the program for Shane Wright with the Windsor Spitfires? Well, again, I go back to having fun and and just being really offensive. I want to help when Shane Wright goes back to if it's the Seattle Kraken, I want him to fit in offensively. I want him to get results. So I've done it with a couple of my players where I'm not so concerned about Shane Wright having the puck all night. I'm not about Shane Wright getting results, taking the puck to the net, making plays, you know, and, and I think that's where it comes in. It's nice to have the puck control it on a cycle forever. But I like results. It's a, a results-oriented business. And the more results that Shane Wright gets, he's going to help the Windsor Spitfires win. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big thing for me. I want him to move on in, in his career and get results wherever he goes right away. I think he helps the Seattle Kraken. If Shane Wright can get a, a point every game or whatever it is, he's going to help them win hockey games. So, And I watch Shane Wright, the player. He's the most responsible guy that, I, that I've seen as a young man uh, defensively. Um, I've never told my players to cheat offensively. And actually that's one thing I'm against you. I don't want you cheating, but I might whisper in Shane's ear once in a while, Shane, why don't you cheat a little bit here? So it's, uh, but I think those are the things I'm going to look forward to. Yeah. Jeff, uh, just getting him really going offensively and, and, uh, hopefully that rolls over like it has for Wyatt. So this was my this was my weekend uh, trying to cover what everyone in the OHL was doing. It started off Friday, and there was a lot of attention on the Peterborough Peets, and we thought that Shane Wright was going to go to the Peterborough Peets, and then they made a bunch of the moves headlined by the Owen Beck move, the Montreal uh, prospect, and you start to say, okay, I'm not sure that Peterborough has any bullets left in the chamber after they made their moves to bring in Shane Wright. So your attention turns to Ottawa and Barry and your squad, the Windsor Spitfires, and I kept hearing, watch London, watch London, watch London. And it seemed more and more as if the momentum was building because everyone kept saying, watch London, watch London, watch London, watch London. And then something changed somehow on Sunday and it pivoted to watch Windsor, watch Windsor, watch Windsor, watch Windsor. How was your weekend following all of this? And are you, you know, are you like in constant contact with your general manager, Bill Bowler, saying, did we get him? Did we get him? Did we get him? How was your weekend, Mark? 
Um, me and Bill are always in constant contact. We had a game Sunday night where we beat the Flint. I think it was six three. Uh, our new additions fit in nicely, and I went home Sunday night very confident in the hockey club we had. And then I received a call from from Bill around, I'd say noon, and he said, "Can you come in?" It was a day off for the hockey club on the Monday, and I said, "Yeah, I'm coming in." So I came in, and he came to me with the news that uh, he feels that it's a time to that we can acquire Shane Wright and that, uh, you know, you're going to need to talk to the, the um, Cam Stewart, his agent and, and Shane, they want to get a feel for, for what your thoughts are. And then I, I guess the other teams that were involved have already done that. And we were the last ones mm-hmm. to kind of come to the party. And, and, and I think it's just because of the confidence that Bill felt in the group. So uh, he, he's given us this opportunity, but then I talked to Shane for, I think it was at two thirty. I ended up talking to him, talked to him, uh, his mom and his dad and, and the agent and just was honest with them and, and told him what I was, what I would help Shane do and, and what he could do for the Windsor Spitfires and uh, how good of an organization it is. And um, I, I walked down after I had that meeting and I walked over to Billy's office and I think I said, I think it went well. And I guess the phone rang five minutes later while I was sitting there and, and uh, Shane said that uh, he wanted to be a Windsor Spitfire. So that's kind of the the, the, the the short form of it. I know Bill talked to him and the family at 2 o'clock before I talked to them at 2.30. That was another big part of it. So, uh, yeah, and then here he is, a, a Windsor Spitfire. When, you know, I left there. Uh, I don't think I, I, I hit the floor on the way out. I was one, one step and into the truck. I flew across the hall. So <laughs> <laughs> really excited, though. And I know the whole team is, and we have such a good culture here. And even last year, guys really buying in and i know i talk about it, the, the we ahead of the me and the quicker we can do that here with this mm-hmm. whole new group because some guys are going to miss some mice time not play where they did before and the quicker we can uh, put the we ahead of the me the better off we're going to be in tonight uh, is a big step in that play in the saginaw spirit a uh, big one against a team that might be the odds on favorite to host the memorial cup next season we shall see i know you have a home and home uh against saginaw tonight uh in windsor and then saturday in saggy the dow event center so we wish you the best of luck we'll be watching to see the debut of shane wright as a member of the windsor spitfires he is in very good hands mark thanks as always for stopping by pal good luck tonight and the rest of the way with shane wright okay thanks chef you guys ever need me again give me a buzz and uh i love the show keep her going thanks all right, keep this uh, Windsor train going. There he is. Uh, Mark Savard is the head coach of the Windsor Spitfires. Windsor now, uh, as we found out on Monday, the landing spot for Shane Wright. And by the way, just on a side note as well, that's a guy. It's because it's very rare that skilled players become coaches because there's this sort of inevitable frustration when you're a skilled player. How come everybody else can't do the same things that I did? But it's very rare to have a skilled player behind the bench and understand kids and skills and translating those skills to younger kids. The likes of how Mark Savard can and has already graduated Wyatt Johnson to the NHL with the Dallas Stars. That guy's going to be an NHL coach one day. There's already been interest from NHL teams. You know, last year I reported about the Dallas Stars. We'll see where this goes. You know, a long run with the Spitfires. Another one for the resume for Mark Savard. He's headed back to the NHL behind the bench. One day, he's already spent the season with the St. Louis Blues. As an assistant, that guy is going places. We're going to take a break. We're back with Greg Wyshynski on the uh, Merrick Show. MVSW time in a moment. Keep it here. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I have, a, I have a lot of people from my company texting me about who that executive was. Um, anyhow, welcome back to the program, and this person shall remain nameless. Um, welcome back to the program. I want to bring Matt Marchese aboard here. One of the things we normally do at the top of the second hour, Maddie, uh, because we had our time a little bit squeezed because Greg Wyshynski's afternoon is so packed, normally we do the random player of the day. Now, by normally, I mean we've done it three days in a row. So seems to be some a little bit of fly paper here. People seem to dig it. Uh, I love doing it, and we're getting some really, really good ones. Uh, who sent today's player in, and who is the player, the random player of the day today, Matt Marchese? So this was sent in by Andrew Craig, and uh, Harold Sneps is today's player, who I always remember as the guy with the really cool mustache. <laughs> And he, yes, he's one of those people that 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 wore the mustache unironically and could actually pull it off too. Um, played his junior hockey with Edmonton with the Oil Kings. Put up some big penalty minutes. Uh, wasn't the best skater. Wasn't the best puck handler. But you probably wouldn't find a more competitive person on the ice than Harold Snaps. Vancouver would have drafted him in the fourth round. Um, big, strong defenseman. Um, a lot of his endeavors involved his fists. As a matter of fact, at Pacific Coliseum, he once fought Doug Risebrow of the Calgary Flames underneath the stands. So, you know, players get let off after an altercation. <laughs> Both guys out of the dressing room, uh, and they fought under the stands. Snapswood has been suspended, I think it was like for five games or something like that. I would imagine Risebrow would have too. Um, he's in the Vancouver Canucks Ring of Honor uh, for a while there. Oh, and by the way, Joey Kenward just submits, our good friend from Vancouver, two-time All-Star, uh, Harold Snaps. Uh, a lot of people might remember him, unfortunately, but there's a silver lining to this one. 1982 Stanley Cup Final, Vancouver Canucks um, and the New York Islanders. Game one goes into overtime. Snaps off to the side of uh, Richard Bredore, netminder for Vancouver, fires the pass that he will forever regret onto the tape of the last player on the Islanders you want to send a pass to. Who do you think that was, Matt Marchese? Who's the last player on the Islanders whose tape you want to put it on in overtime? Oh, God. Oh, that at that point, uh, that would have been Mike Bossy. Yes. <laughs> that would be Mike Bossy, sir, and that's who Harold Snap. And, you know, he, he scores because, of course, he's Mike Bossy, his second overtime winner, um, and the Islanders are, you know, off to winning, uh, winning a Stanley Cup. Now, Harold Snaps was so loved in Vancouver that some markets just would have had, like if it were today on Twitter, like I always think of this, okay, if this would have happened today on Twitter, if there was Twitter back in 1982 when Harold Snaps fired that pass and Mike Bossy picked it off and scored against Berdour, what Twitter would have done to it. But the thing about Vancouver Canucks fans, he was so loved in Vancouver that there was no one that was going to pin the horns on him for that one. It was adulation, standing over. Like everyone just felt awful for Harold Snaps. Like a lot of other markets just would have been, you know, get this donkey off the ice. Oh, we can't afford to have him on. This is what blah, 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 blah. He was so loved that the Va I, honestly, I believe, this is my own theory, and people in Vancouver can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. 
I think that the level of love that they had for Harold Snaps grew even more and got a little bit deeper because everyone can relate to having a mess up like that. I think that that just made Vancouver Canucks fans, although you know no one in Vancouver wanted to lose that game specifically, not like that, but just make them love, um, make them love Harold Snaps more. I remember as a kid wanting Cougar shoes. Um, and one of the reasons why, well, first of all, Cougars looked really cool. Second of all, Harold Snaps was the pitch man. Uh, and I think the tagline was, was, was something like for the active cat or something like that. And there's a cool looking picture of Harold Snaps as you would remember, Maddie, the guy with the, uh, with the mustache. Um, there is somewhere I have my old videos of, of hockey fights, one with Ron DeLorme, which probably was the best one that Harold ever had. Uh, oh boy, that was, uh, that was a doozy. And the last thing I'll, I'll close with on Harold Snaps is he was one of the last players to go helmetless in the NHL. Maddie, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I think he was like the... Fourth player to go helmet, like like the fourth remaining guy in the NHL, maybe fifth remaining player in the NHL to go helmetless. Can you name the others before him? The guys that still wore helmets after uh, after Snaps called it a day. Um, I do have a couple of Harold Snaps snippets that we can throw in here as well. But uh, Craig McTavish is one of them. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Craig McTavish is the last one. Yeah. Um, was Al Secord another one? No, not Al. Although Al was one of the last ones. I think he wrapped up, uh, would have been like 84, 85 with the hell. No, but, or, or maybe even much later, but no, he wasn't, he wasn't one of the, uh, one of the final ones. Uh, oh, Lance R- says Richie, Ron hang Duguay. on, Rich Sutter, hang on. R- Rich Sutter <laughs> just chimes in our buddy Richie with Brad Marsh. Yes. He was the second last one. Richie's good. He was the second last one to go helmetless. Brad Marsh was. Craig Metavish was the last. Brad Marsh was second last. I don't know. The Philadelphia Flyers. I think think the last game that he went in. No, not Ron Dugate. The last game that Brad Marsh. Here's one for you. The last game that Brad Marsh went helmetless was the night that Ron Hextall scored a goal. Oh. Okay, who was third? Who was who was third? Who was still ahead of Harold Snaps? This makes Uh, for very exciting radio, folks. Doug Wilson, would he have been the one? He's one of the one of the last five. Yes, good one. Uh, two more. Uh, one of them, Langway Washington. Too late. Rod, Rod Langway. Langway was the other one. Rod Langway and one more. He's a defenseman with the Winnipeg Jets at the time. Oh, Randy Carlisle. Also a defenseman with the Randy Carlisle number three. Well done. And here's another one. In I believe eighty or eighty one, and any chance any chance I get to mention this person's name, I always will. 1981, Harold Snaps became the first Vancouver Canucks defenseman to take a penalty shot. It was 1980, and do you know who that penalty shot was against? Then playing with the Minnesota North Stars. If you're watching on 360 or Sportsnet now, you know the picture that I'm holding up here right now. That goaltender <laughs> was Joe Malosh, baby. Joe Malosh. Uh, there you go. That's uh, that's all I know about today's random player of the day, Harold Snaps. Although I do get the feeling that Rich Sutter is going to continue to send in more trivia facts uh, about <laughs> Harold Snaps. That is a great one. And Richie, bring it on. And Joey Kenward, bring it on. And anyone from Vancouver, uh, your thoughts on uh, on Harold Snaps. 
um, are very, very welcome. If you want to be part of this, nominating uh, the Random Hockey Player of the Day, uh, just email us at jmshow at sportsnet.ca. Maddie, that's a good one. So thank you to Andy, uh, Andrew Craig for sending that one in. Wasn't your dad a big Harold Snaps fan, or was it the other oh, way around? He, Harold Snaps no, like hated, drove him crazy. Yeah, hated Harold Snaps. He did, hey, eh? It, well, he was. He's, when you look at the penalty minute totals, I see why. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, th- that guy was awful to play against. I know Canucks fans love them, Red Wings, etc. But to play against them, good Lord. Like, just awful to play against. I, I got a real so, soft spot in my heart for, for Harold Snaps. So uh, our buddy Rich Sutter was actually traded, and he mentioned this. He was traded to St. Louis with Harold Snaps um, from Vancouver, and he said that was one of his favorite teammates. And this, a second text that I got, and this is why I love doing this show and doing yeah. things like this. Uh, Ken Reed. What's up? Our buddy Ken Reed sends hey, us a text saying you. that Harold had a sweet airbrush job on his 84-85 OPG when he joined Minnesota. Ooh, can uh, Reader, as I, and I could just like text Reader and said, I'll just waste network airtime and ask him, uh, Reader, send me a picture of that one and I'll, I'll tweet it out and give full credit to you pointing that out. Um, Ken Reed, of course, the ultimate authority on hockey cards and the ultimate authority on the WHA, the movie Slapshot, and the term Pucks in Deep. Uh, what do you want to wrap up with today, Maddie? Okay. The floor so, is yours. so something that. Yeah, so we had something a couple of days ago, and we just hadn't gotten a chance to to get to it. But for those that that aren't aware, Peter Check is was at one point oh, yeah. one of the best goalies, uh, soccer goalies in the world. And this video came across yeah. my timeline, and I'm watching it, and it said Peter Check at Blackhawks practice, and I'm like, Nah, there's no way that it's that Peter Check. It's some kid that they called up who has the name Peter Check. Like, there's no way, and. I'm watching yeah. this and I see this behemoth of a man because Peter Check is a t- very tall individual. <laughs> and I'm watching it at yeah. Blackhawks practice and he looks very good. Look good. He plays semi professionally in England. And what caught my attention was for a man that committed so much of his life to being a professional goalkeeper in soccer and a very good one at that. Being that adept as a hockey goalie was incredible. And the Blackhawks were having a hard time scoring on him. And the <laughs> this is where the this is where this all comes in. Um yeah. maybe the Blackhawks should work on their scoring a little bit if they're having trouble scoring on Peter Check. But I did think that it was it was really cool to see an athlete from yeah. a different sport. And, and growing up in in Czechia, then the Czech Republic, I am assuming that Peter yeah. Check played goaltender at some point during his life. But for a guy that committed so much of his life to being an elite player in a different sport, to see him be that good, I was absolutely stunned, and I thought that that was remarkable that he could do that. My takeaway is goaltending is easy. How about that? Oh, that is the headline for today's show. I want to offend... I'll offend every single goaltender out that. That guy can just step... No, first of all, no. Um, The truth is, like, he's just an outstanding athlete. Yep. And see here here's the thing that we the one of the points we've been trying to make about American hockey players specifically. Um the countries where and Canada is top of this list, Russia's there too, where the elite level athletes choose hockey first. Uh those are the ones that ultimately succeed. And the thing about hockey in other countries 
specifically the United States. Um, hockey's like what, like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, I don't know, take your pick, on the rung historically. But now you're starting to see the elite athletes choose hockey uh, over basketball, over football, over track and field, over, you know, uh, baseball. That's the scary thing for the rest of the world. But I love those visuals. That looked so cool. Uh, I loved it. Um, by the way, another Chicago note, Pat Kane on IR. Now it's retroactive, so I think he can play Saturday, but no Patrick Kane tonight as the Chicago Blackhawks face off against the Colorado Avalanche. And, geez, I don't know. You know, Elliot and I talked about this on the podcast that came out on Monday. We talked about it on the radio show here to kick off the week as well. It's described as the lower body injury. We know that, or we strongly suspect that this has been nagging Patrick Kane, Maddie, all season long. Like, this hasn't been a Patrick Kane-type season. Like, we're used to Patrick Kane, like, minimum point per game. Like, you know, uh, lick the envelope, mail it in. That's Patrick Kane. Like, he's one of the elites of the game. He's helped revolutionize his, uh, his position in the NHL. But he hasn't looked the same. Like, something is off with Patrick Kane. I'm not going to try to make this something that it's not because I don't want to be, you know, Thursday hot take guy here on the radio and in a headline. All I know is that it it does look more serious than we initially believed. And I wonder if Elliot's, you know, bang on the money about the idea of perhaps Kane and the Blackhawks just do a one-year contract extension. So instead of trading him, comes back and they run this thing back one more time or they run back you know this you know this season where pat kane is going to decide where he gets traded one more time now i also don't think that kane and taves want to get traded i don't think taves wants to go anywhere i don't think kane wants to go anywhere but we know what the program is for the chicago blackhawks and that's probably why they should not sign Peter Check to a PTO, Maddie, because he's too good. And that's not the program. <laughs> the program is Connor Bedard. The program is not making saves and scoring goals. Um, but there is the, uh, the, the news of the afternoon. No Patrick Kane tonight for the Blackhawks. Uh, he will not be in action against the Colorado Avalanche. You know, I I thought about this, and I mean, having Jonathan Taves on your roster just it makes you better. So I wonder if trading him just so you can get some assets and then maybe revisit him coming back in the summer is something because there's nothing stopping him from doing that. I'm trying. I think it was Keith Kachuk yeah. who got traded to Atlanta and then from St. Louis yep. and then re-signed with St. Louis the following. Like, I mean, there's nothing stopping yes. anybody from doing that. So I, I wonder if Jonathan Taves just says, okay, trade me, and then not that he's going to say, and I'll come back for sure, and then we'll have a conversation. Yeah. Um, the Patrick Kane thing is super interesting because I just don't know what you're going to get for him if he is banged up, and that's the big question. So well, maybe that, that's, running that's it back one more time. Like, I, 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 I don't want to get ahead of myself and talk about Patrick Kane getting shut down. I don't, I don't think we're there yet. Um, Elliot did not mention that. Um, just mentioned something along the, the lines of how this, you know, this is not just a, just going to miss one game type situation. Uh, so I don't want to get a hold of my, ahead of myself here and talk about shutting down one of the best players still in the game when he's healthy. And if you're going to move him, you know, this is probably not the ideal situation. I, again, like I just, I just wonder like Elliot does if they end up doing the, the one year extension and run this thing back 
one more time next season and we'll draw up a new version of the Patrick Kane sweepstakes. Uh, Maddie, great job producing the show today. Uh, Lance Kennedy, technical operator, thank you. Camera operator, Jen Rolnick, making this thing look good. And great set advice as well. Uh, thanks to Elliot Friedman for kicking things off from Hockey Night and 32 Thoughts. Mark Savard, Windsor Spitfires of the OHL in action tonight against the Saginaw Spirit in action tonight as well. Shane Wrights for the Windsor Spitfires. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. Check out the latest edition of The Drop with Arda O'Cal and Greg and their interview with John Scott. All-star memories with John Scott. And thanks to Andrew Craig. I don't think the Snaps talk is going to stop at all, whether it's tweets or texts, uh, for nominating Harold Snaps today. Again, to get your player named the random player of the day, JM Show at Sportsnet.ca. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. The Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360, back tomorrow at noon.